I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. Um, God is on the move. Amen. Amen. So we need your, we need your engagement because I'm South African. So God is on the move. Amen. I, I love, we launched our healing rooms a few weeks ago, our first one. We had a queue out the door. Um, those happen, I think, once a month. You can check on the website. And somebody got instantly healed from three years of back pain. And some, some people with, I think it's plantar, fasciitis. two people got like um, improved healing. Uh, this week at our prayer and pursuit evening, two people got spontaneously healed in worship. Nobody even prayed for them. One guy's foot got healed. So God is doing something amongst us. Amen. Amen. And actually, it just seems to be all about backs and feet at the minute. So if you've got a sore back or something wrong with your feet or something wrong with your back, why don't you just lift your hands quickly? How, how many? Oh, quite a few. Wow. If you're around them, just put your hands on them. Maybe if you can stand so people will put their hands on you. Yeah, stand up. Don't be shy. We, we just thank you, Jesus, that you are the God who heals. We just thank you that you're doing something amongst us, which is beautiful and for your glory. And so, Jesus, we just say, won't you release healing right now in the name of Jesus? We say all pain, whatever's wrong with feet and backs, we just declare healing right now in Jesus' name. All pain go, all sickness go. And we just say, kingdom of heaven, just come and invade right now. Come and invade everybody that's standing up, Jesus. We just say, let your kingdom come, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. We just, God, we just speak creative miracles where creative miracles need to be released right now. We just speak against any inflammation that needs to go, that it would go right now in the name of Jesus. We say healing come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come and chat to us afterwards. We want some more stories of the goodness of God. That's great. I am speaking today on restoration for His glory. And we're going to be looking at the story of Peter. I feel like I'm a storyteller this morning. Um, and we're just going to look at his life and we're going to look at the place where he encounters Jesus. Um, and God just comes to restore him. But when I was thinking about this, I thought of one of my favorite movies slash West End shows, which is, I'm South African, can you guess? The Lion King. Wow. Got some fans. And there's a scene in The Lion King when Simba, who is the lion cub, realizes something. He realizes that because of his disobedience to his father, because of his actions, there is a consequence and his father sacrifices his life for him. And there is this moment where it, it all comes to the forefront. And what does he do in that moment? He runs away. How many of us in that moment of failure in that moment of realizing we've messed up, run away. So Simba runs away to his friends. His friends are Pumba and Simone, the warthog and the mongoose. And he's living a good life, but he's not living in the purposes of his life. He was called to be king. And how many of us recognize that sometimes God calls us to stuff and we aren't always living out in it? And so this is how I'm gonna introduce our good friend Peter in the Bible. Who, how many of you have heard of Peter before? You know who Peter is? Yeah, Peter is a disciple of Jesus. And Peter is a fisherman. Now I'm gonna give you the stereotypical view of what fishermen were like in those days. So a fisherman would have been probably quite physically strong. They were known for being a little bit vulgar, had some uh, decorative language. They probably had a bit of a short fuse. They were used to kind of wrangling it out in the fish markets and um, being on the seas and facing the storms. 
So he was a tough guy, but he had a big mouth and a big heart. Now, if there's somebody next to you like that, don't give them a nudge right now. But this is the kind of man Peter was. He was all guns blazing, but also he was all heart and emotion in it too. And Peter's story is perhaps one of the greatest stories of redemption that we have ever heard. And so I'm going to um, give you a kind of spotlight of Peter's life and the stories that he has with Jesus. And then we're going to look at an encounter that he has with him. And first of all, I'm going to give you Charlene's version of Luke 5, verse 4 to 11. It's when Jesus calls Simon Peter, or Peter, or Simon as he's sometimes known. And Jesus has been preaching to thousands of people on the crowd. And he looks across and he sees two empty boats and they're washing their nets, the fishermen. So he says, hey, can I get in your boat? So they let Jesus in his boat and they take them out. And then Jesus has finished preaching and he says to the fishermen, why don't you throw your nets into the deep? And so the fishermen have gone, oh, we've, we've fished all night. Nothing's happened. But because you've said so, so they clearly recognized him as, as Jesus. They said, we'll throw our, throw our nets in. And they threw the nets in and their nets were so full that they had to call other people to help them. And in this moment, uh, Peter gets a revelation. And he says, he gets on his knees and he says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He recognizes who is standing in front of him and he recognizes his own sin. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. That's a prophetic word right there. Peter was a fisher of, or a fisherman of fish and our God will say, no, you're gonna be a fisherman of men. And so they pulled up their boats up to the shore and they left everything and followed Jesus. Radical obedience right there. And Peter is chosen by Jesus. He's called by Jesus. And he follows Jesus just as we are. Jesus has called us by name. And the great thing about Peter's story, and probably why I love him so much, is that he makes so many mistakes over and over again. But Jesus keeps calling him close. He keeps on inviting him in. And in Matthew 14, it says, Jesus had fed the five thousands. And he sends the disciples across the water and then he goes and prays and then he decides he's gonna go meet the disciples. So he walks on the water towards them and there's old Peter front and center again going, if it's you, Jesus, let me walk to you. So he gets out the boat and he starts walking. It's pretty amazing. But then he sees the wind and the waves and he starts doubting and he starts in Matthew 14 to Peter, 14 to Peter, 14 to Peter, you to Peter, you of little faith. Oh, Peter, you stepped out the boat, but because of your little faith in me, you began to sink. You began to see the circumstances. Followed by that, in the middle of Jesus' ministry, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter, again, known to speak his mind, says, well, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Yes, Peter, you got it right this time. Peter has a revelation and Jesus knows that it has been revealed to him. And he says to Peter, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. This is Peter who was sinking 
And now he's like the rock on which Jesus will build his church because Jesus doesn't see Peter in his current circumstances with all of his weaknesses. He declares and prophesies over him who he is called to be. And Jesus doesn't see us in the mistakes we made this morning and in this week and our failures and we lost our temper and all the things we messed up. And he sees who he's called you to be. That's how Jesus sees you. And there we go on to Jesus defining his Messiah's mission. He says, you know, I will be put to death, but I will rise again. And Peter, our good friend Peter, comes up to the stage again, and he says to Jesus, never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. And then Jesus carries on to say, whoever wants to be my, my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And you see, the problem is, is that Peter wanted God to fit into his story. Peter wanted a God to sit on the throne of David and we restore the people, but actually God's plans are bigger than our plans. God sees more than we can see. And when Peter, who obviously loved Jesus, was passionately saying this, he was saying it in a way that Jesus used the same word to rebuke demons. I mean, there must have been a lot of passion there. But Jesus just takes him and corrects him. And you know what? Sometimes Jesus corrects us. But it's not because he's separating himself from us. It's because he wants us to see the way he sees. He wants us to understand the way he understands. And then six days after this, in Matthew 17, we see Jesus take Peter, James, and John up to the mountain. And they go pray. And then they see Jesus transfigured before them. Jesus does not disqualify Peter again. You know that form of silent treatment that you sometimes experience? Or somebody gets offended and they disconnect with you? That's not Jesus. Jesus has just said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And then he's like, come with me and pray and see me transfigured on the mountain. Jesus always includes us. He always calls us in. He doesn't give us the silent treatment. He doesn't disqualify us. He doesn't look at the evidence against us and say, no, you're not good enough for this. He is good enough. You see, he sees our hearts and he looks through the lens of love towards us. We move on to the Last Supper and Jesus tells his disciples that he's gonna be betrayed. Peter, again, full of passion. He says, even if all fall away on account of you, in Matthew 26, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I firmly believed that he believed that. Truly I tell you, Jesus answers, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples said the same. Peter loved Jesus. He wanted to die for Jesus. But these are the words of a self-confident, inexperienced disciple who have not yet found out the weakness of their own faith and the deceitfulness of their own heart. And on that night when Jesus goes to Gethsemane and he asks his disciples to pray with him, they fall asleep. They fall asleep again. And Judas comes along and Jesus says to them, who are you looking for? Jesus is in control of the situation. He knows what's gonna happen. 
He has control and authority. And in John 18, we see Simon Peter whips out his sword and cuts off one of the soldier's ears. Now, I don't know if he was actually trying to kill him. Perhaps he was a better fisherman than he was a soldier. But Jesus heals the soldier and he says, no, Peter. And he goes with him, goes with him to the courtyard. And Peter and John follow. They follow Jesus knowing that he's been imprisoned. But then Peter gets to the courtyard and there's a servant girl who says to him, you were also with Jesus of Galilee, weren't you? In Matthew 26, verse 69 to 75, I'm gonna go through it. It says, I don't know, Peter says to the servant girl, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you imagine the defensiveness in him? I don't know what you're talking about. And then a second servant girl says to him, this fellow was with the, with the Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter says, with an oath, it says, I don't know the man. Remember, he's just sworn to Jesus that he will die for him. And then thirdly, the men around the fire, so Peter's around a fire warming himself, a fire of coals, and they say to him, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. Peter's response gets bigger. He begins to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. He was going back to who he used to be as a fisherman. And just then the rooster crows three times and Peter remembers what Jesus has said and he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter leaves crying. Can you imagine the shame he felt in that moment as he recalled the words of Jesus? He went, he left, and he went away. And so the story goes, Jesus' death and resurrection, he appears to the disciples again, and this is the third time he's appearing to the disciples. And it says in John 21, after Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Peter had only known fishing before Jesus. Maybe he wanted to go back to something he was good at. Maybe he wanted to be distracted from the pain he felt or the wall of shame that he felt. Maybe he wanted to silence the voice of condemnation in his head. And the other disciples then said to Peter, we will come with you. This shows us that Peter is a leader and an influencer, just as Jesus has made you leaders and influencers, that just like your words and your actions carry weight and others are watching and will follow you. So they went out into the boat, but they caught nothing. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that, that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were, un they were unable to haul the net because of the large numbers of fish. Jesus is not actually asking them how many fish they've got. He knows. He's kind of saying, how's this working out for you guys? A little bit of deja vu about something that happened before. And then he recreates the miracle of when he first called Peter. He's redeeming a moment and letting Peter know that he has still been called by Jesus, that he's still got a place in the kingdom of God, that he is the father who doesn't shut the door on him, but invites him back in to pursue the promises of God over his life. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord 
As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. They were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw fire of burning coals. There were fish on it. Now Peter does what he was made to do in that moment, what we were made to do in that moment, which is run towards Jesus, run towards our Father. You see, sometimes our response is that we run and hide. I don't know if this ever happened to you as a child, but I remember, and I've heard many people who had this experience, when you did something wrong at home, you were sent to your bedroom. You were separated and shut off. But Jesus doesn't send you to your bedroom. Jesus calls you into the fireplace with him. Says, sit down, let's talk, let's eat together. And a beautiful moment about Jesus redeeming again is that the last time that Peter stood around the coals of a fire, and it's particularly about the fire here, because this is only twice mentioned in the Bible, that these fire of coals, the last time he stood there, it was the third time that he denied Jesus. And yet Jesus redeems that moment again, calling him back again. Don't live in the shame of that moment, Peter. I'm restoring you now. Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you have just caught. And Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after his raised from the dead. I love that Jesus had fish already, yet he provided fish to them so that they could contribute. He was inviting them into a restoration moment. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, this is parental talk now, it's your full name. How many know when you get called a full name by your parents, you know something's coming. He said, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And you could think Jesus was being mean in this moment. He was exposing his, his shame, but he wasn't. What Jesus was doing was pointing him towards his future because he says to Peter, feed my sheep. He doesn't look back, he looks forward. You're still called, you're still chosen. And how many of us hear the voice of God in our head when we do something wrong going, you are bad, you were disqualified, you're not good enough. That's not the voice of Jesus. Jesus looks to our future and he brings hope and restoration. After Jesus has said, feed my lambs, he asks again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus says, take care of my sheep. The third time he says to Simon, John of, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. And Jesus was doing something here. He was redeeming moments. And Peter knew that it wasn't coincidence that he'd asked him three times. I'm sure he knew. But, but he also wasn't trying to punish him. You see, Jesus forgave Peter. Because when this happened, Jesus had been killed, buried, and he had been resurrected. So he wasn't offended by Peter's sin. He had paid for it. He paid for it on the cross. It was buried with him. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he knew about Peter's sin, and he forgave him in that moment. 
and he wasn't qualified. You see, Jesus puts his hands on our wounds to heal us and restore us, not to harm us or hurt us. And so Jesus puts his hands on your wounds to heal and restore that which the enemy would come and lie to you about. And some of you are living with deep wounds. And maybe today God will heal you. Maybe some of you need to speak about them. Maybe some of you need to follow through with some aftercare with them. But Jesus wants to heal your wounds. He wants to bring you into freedom. And the fundamental question we can ask ourselves is, how do we feel when we, when, we, when we fail God? How do we feel? How do we respond? Do we believe who he is? Or do we run away in shame? Do we live with judgment? Do we live with a sense of failure and disqualification? You see, after this restoration, Jesus restores Peter's identity back to you belong to me. You belong to me, Peter. Come close. He still believes, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. The promises haven't changed. The prophecies haven't changed. God knows who he is, even if Peter doesn't. And Peter is restored and forgiven by the Lord. And where he was once fearful of a servant called, he's now speaking to thousands of people. He's proclaiming the good news of Christ because he has been forgiven much and he loves much. He's seen miracles happen. He's persecuted for the gospel. So much so that some believe that he refused to be crucified the way Jesus did. And he asked to be crucified upside down. Because something happened, because you can follow Jesus, you can see Jesus do signs and wonders. But until you have an encounter with Jesus that is bigger than your self-reliance, you will never understand what he's paid for you. But when we understand what he's paid for us, we live at the overflow of love and forgiveness. And some of us are engulfed in our own disappointment and shame. But the beauty of the gospel is, it is restoration. The gospel is a message of restoration. And Jesus rose again so that we would be restored. Some of us need to wake up and come out of hiding. Some of us need to recognize the voice of Jesus. Some of us need to recognize that we've been called as preachers and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists. That is who God has made you to be. And you can only be those when you come fully surrendered because restoration requires surrender. Restoration requires all those songs that we sang, you can have it all, pour it out. It requires surrender in our hearts so that we can be restored. And Jesus gives us more than we deserve. Jesus invites us into fellowship with him. Jesus provides what we need when we obey him. Jesus wants to free us from our past and our mistakes. If we love him, we will follow him because that's who he created us to be. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are free from guilt and shame because of Jesus on the cross. The gospel changed everything. The gospel of Jesus is for restoration. So Jesus comes to you today and he says, do you love me? Do you love me more than your shame? Do you love me more than your guilt? Do you love me more than your mistakes? Do you love me? Go be who I've called you to be. The church needs you to be who you're called to be. This is like a recommissioning moment. 
Jesus wants to restore us and free us and send us out. Send us out for the lost. Send us out for each other. Send us out because he loves us and he wants us to be free. And so many of us have once known the love of Jesus, but we've hidden away. We've checked out. We've kind of just thought, if I come on a Sunday, I'll tick that box and that's good enough. But Jesus wants your whole life. And when Jesus has your whole life, you will see love pouring out from you everywhere you go, in your family, in the streets, in the shops. <laughs> it's a radical thing to fully surrender to Jesus and to fully love him. And I just feel like today is a day of recommissioning for us as a church. It's a day of surrender. Jesus, I don't burn as bright as I used to. I don't burn the way I used to burn for you. I'm not as passionate about you as I used to be. Maybe things have come and got in the way. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's fear. But Jesus wants to bring freedom this morning. Amen? Shall we stand together?